Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Alaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Daphne. And I'm Ilaria. And today's guest is a fun one, you guys. We are talking to actress, director, and podcaster Katie Lowe's. Uh, this will be one of those girl talk episodes that I think will be full of laughs. Definitely some uh, some hilarious mom moments, uh, some potty training discussions, I'm sure. And definitely some deep dives into what it's like to become a new mama and um, and find that tribe of moms that make you feel like you're not crazy. Um, we're going to get real about about mom guilt and, and balancing work. Um, this is a conversation that so many of us need to have again and again and again because every single day we realize that no matter how much we give, it's never going to be enough. We know you're going to love this conversation with Katie Lowe's. Silly mommy. Hi, everybody. My name is Katie Lowe's. Um, My baby's name is Albie, named after a bunch of different Alberts in our family. Um, You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Katie Lowe's. And then please listen to Katie's Crib. It's a podcast on iHeartRadio produced by Shonda Rhimes. Real talk, real moms, real tired. Uh, New episodes every other Thursday. Katie, the last time I saw you. Yeah, when did we last see each other? Tell me. I don't think you were married yet. I definitely know you didn't have any kids yet. It was like a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, wait, what talk show? Uh, the uh, Chew. It was on oh, the, yeah, Chew the Chew. In oh my like God, the worst cook ever. That's why it just went darkness. <laughs> like I was like, it was a fugue was... state. Like, also, <laughs> that was my first live appearance yes. that I've ever done. Yes. And still to this day, my Granny Pat's favorite and all have completely failed in comparison compared <laughs> to that. <laughs> so lots has developed for you since then. You are now a mama and not just yes. any mama. You also host an incredible podcast, Katie's Crib, Thank where you. you took it upon yourself, I think to like, again, before this was so commonplace to have um, really raw and vulnerable conversations around yes. a an experience that um, that every mother has gone through, where like all the glossy bits people share with you right up front, and they tell you how incredible it's going to be, and they can't really explain to you what the what the that deep deep love will feel like, or the the high notes they can't really describe, but they can get you like that middle ground. But it's really hard for people to talk about the tough bits and the challenging bits and the unattractive bits and then there's and lots of them lots <laughs> of them and and the getting to know the new you bits which I think is really awesome so I'd love yes. um it's awesome once you get your head around the fact that you are not the old you in in a, a lot of ways that you you used to no. recognize so no. I'd love just because it has been so many years catch us up like what yes. what's your experience been like well um I'm so happy to be talking to you about all of this because I feel like I'm like, ooh, this gives me a chance to like ask myself this question because I feel like when you're a mom, like to pause and actually like look back on how the hell are you doing is like rare. Um, so I did get married. Scandal is basically where I grew up and it was such a magical show because a lot of us on the show got married. Carrie and I both got married. We, people bought their first homes. Um, 
lots of people. Scott Foley had two babies on the show. I had a baby on the show. Um, and we really sort of grew up together and all in those phases of our lives. And, and I felt so happy because I was sort of the youngest and I really got to look up to everybody and ask everyone all the questions um, all the time. So when I got pregnant um, and Shonda was like, it was her idea to do the podcast, not mine. I think, really? Yeah. Like, I think I was just running. First of all, her idea, she even had the idea to get pregnant, to be completely honest. I was. <laughs> I only did it because Shonda told me. Yeah. No, I honestly was like. Do I, don't I, do I, don't I? I don't know how long Scandal's going to be. And there's still this horrible thing about being a working woman and getting pregnant and not knowing if your job security will be okay. Totally. And it's so unfortunate and it's systemic and it's been there for forever. And so it really wasn't until Shonda was like, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah. She was like, do you want to have a family? And I was like, yeah, I want a family. And she was like, well, just do it on my watch. Like I've taken a lot of actresses through this. If you're in, you know, she wasn't like saying now or never, but she was basically saying like, look at all the mamas on Grey's Anatomy. Look at all the mamas on, you know, how to get away with murder. Like I'm very good at taking care of women on, on my shows and, and making sure that they feel taken care of and supportive. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is the best place to get pregnant. <laughs> I'm an idiot. And I basically ran home and told my husband to like quickly take off his pants and let's go. <laughs> romance. Um, yeah, so romantic. Um, by the way, every guy in America would, would love if that was the case. It was way. so great, but to just have I knew oh. I had job security because working in Shondaland is like known, you know, all of the powerful figures at the top are women and a lot of them are moms, and it's just a wonderful place to have a baby. I mean, even on set, we had like a, a Shondaland like baby hangout area where Carrie's kids were and my kid was and Viola Davis's kid. Like it's unbelievable. It's it's complete utopia. Breaks for breastfeeding, like and no questions asked. Just I don't know why I needed to be hit over the head. Did you shoot while you were pregnant? I shot the final season while I was pregnant. Did they work it into the show? Yes, the character was pregnant. And it was really lucky for me because Carrie had had two babies on the show and Olivia Pope was not pregnant. So she had already gone through seasons of hiding pregnancies oh, with wow. pro- Prada bags and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and I large like, wine bo- wine Exact goblet. wine glasses. And, and I was like, Popcorn. oh, God. That's, uh, I feel like it's going to be really hard to hide if I'm pregnant also. <laughs> like, I just... Quinn, because she was so crazy and doing such physical stuff, like torturing people and killing people and running and jumping and all this stuff, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? So she made my character pregnant, which was a total blessing, except when I had to actually work with real babies. And I was like, oh God, this is the worst. Because I had to work with real babies all the time. And my actual (laughs) baby was in my trailer, like waiting for me. And I would just start lactating when the twin babies that were actors would start crying. It was insane. Um... But it was a wonderful place to get pregnant. I, um, it was so she, she was the person who said, um, I think everyone saw how raw and insane I was during pregnancy. Like on set, I was working crazy long hours. I would have laughing fits, crying fits, sweating fits. They would have to keep running in and fix everything because my hormones were raging. And I'm very raw and open. And I can't, I sort of, I wear my personality on my sleeve already. So pregnancy was like a, to- it was like that times a thousand. And Shonda was like, I think a podcast would be really interesting about real motherhood stuff. 
And I just ran with it. I just, I had been collecting over the nine months of pregnancy, all these experts and friends, you know, like that start to come to you when you are going about the world being pregnant, you know, all of a sudden you've got doulas and lactation specialists and friends who are struggling with this and people who are struggling with that and all. And I'm, again, I talk too much. So everyone's coming to me and I felt like I had a real, I just had a real pool of people that I could talk to and maybe by talking to them and them giving us their advice and their expert opinion or not expert opinion or just their experiences alone would help other moms, other places. I also had a miscarriage and that was really tough. And I felt like that wasn't out there enough. I also gave birth to my son and I was not into it at all. I was miserable. Um, and I was not, it was not love at first sight for me. I say it was a slow burn, um, to enjoying motherhood. And I just couldn't find anywhere that there were like other people admitting that. And so I was like, I can't be the only person that when I get a text asking me how blissed out I am, I want to f-ing throw my phone across the room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm not. I, I hate this. I'm trying to figure out how to get on a plane and move to Europe with a fake identity and find a new boyfriend and change my name. Like my brain was going into like scandal, like, like plot oh. twists to get out of it, you know? Um, just because I was so thrown. I had been a nanny for 10 years. I thought... I was more scared of the pregnancy and the labor than anything. It turns out those were the easy parts for me. And when I actually brought my son Albie home, I was like, um, what is this? <laughs> it's different when you're like the, the what's, it's not the backstop, but you're the last word. You're responsible and you look over your shoulders and you're like, oh God, that's me. Who's coming to take this child? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but also anxiety is a real thing. I mean, like postpartum anxiety is real high. Like it's just, it's, it's really scary. They send you home from the hospital or if you've had a home birth, like you're just like, Oh wait, no one's told me what to do. And you know, it, it's just, it's very challenging. It took me a long time to feel like myself. What helped you get there? Time. Like no one told me it was going to be till he was 18 months old that I would start to look in the mirror and be like, and I don't mean physically. I mean, like I started to just feel like myself. Right. So I went back to work when he was eight weeks old. And I mean, even that just physically, like how, like buttoning pants at eight weeks postpartum, I, the idea of that and and, cause I did the same. I went back to the two at after when Philo was just eight weeks old and it was just, it was also like, I mean, and you were memorizing lines and like my memory wouldn't function. My, my, you know, like good dialogue. I know (laughs) like what have funny banter. Well, you had to be so fast. At least I got like multiple takes when I would completely mess up. Like you were, I mean, oh my God, I don't think I could have done that. But you do. Women are outstanding. Women Women are are outstanding. They're outstanding. I mean, it's just, I don't think any dudes could do this. It's so (laughs) insane to be working. I can remember going back and you know, they would, every single three hours, I would go back to my trailer to breastfeed and they would knock on the door and be like, Hey, like, is there any so lovingly and supportive? Like, Hey, like how long you think I'd be like, I don't know. Like, I literally don't know what I'm doing. I don't know when he's done. I don't know when a boob is empty. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, can you send someone here to tell me what to do? I don't know what to do. Um, and then similarly, I remember I, Adam and I, my husband and I made our Broadway debuts in the musical Waitress when my son was eight months old. Wow. And I look back on that experience and I, that's how I know I still wasn't myself. I was out of my mind. Like 
hormonally. Like I just was out of my mind. I used to be so upset because my nanny would put him down six nights a week because we were only off Mondays and I had to be at the theater. And then I would rush home on two show days back. Like I would do the three hour musical. Then I would race home, breastfeed, bathe him, try to put him down and then race back for the seven thirty call for the 8 PM show. Because I thought that that was like what was being a good mom. My husband, on the other hand, who was in the same musical, had no problem saying Saturdays when we have two show days. I'm not going to see him. Like we're off Mondays. I'll see him all day. Then he was so good about compartmentalizing and taking yeah. care of himself. And I just had the mom guilt and the just feeling all of those feelings. And and I just talked. We just the first episode of Katie's Crib this season was America Ferrera, and we were talking about this endlessly because she was in the middle of a dentist appointment. And her nanny was walking her son around the block while she was in the dentist appointment. And she was like, if something happens to them while they're on this walk, I will never forgive myself. There is no reason why he has to be here right now. But because she works so long hours, she's like, I have a dentist appointment. He can kind of be there with me. So let's bring the baby and let's bring the, you know, and I was very similar. And, and I feel like it wasn't until he hit about a year and a half that I started to really let go and, and trust and figure out who the hell I am (laughs) again. (laughs) It took me a while. I mean, it really was not, was not quick. I think it's hard, even if, you know, if you decide to have more, I think it, it still is hard. And I think some of it must be just settling into motherhood and understanding who you are in your particular journey. And then some of it is, starting to see, okay, now now he's 18 months old or now he's such and such an age and that ability to start to trust your child a little bit more. I mean, I, I relate to the dentist thing. You know what I do when I have a new baby? I'm the person that goes there and I have the baby on my chest while they're cleaning my, my teeth. And it's that idea, especially with the jobs that we have um, or, right. or, you know, women who are listening to this, that if you have a job that's like a, a I mean, I can here and there, and then I'm going to multitask, and I'm going to mommy multitask. By the way, even if you have a nine-to-five job, there's always mommy multitasking. It's like, okay, well, at least we can be close to each other. So I have my mouth open, things mm-hmm. in my mouth, they're cleaning, and I have the baby on there, and I'm like, well, if he mm-hmm. has to breastfeed, this is like the perfect place for, for him to breastfeed right now. And I mean, and that's what you do. But then you, you, you know, you oh go back God, to experiences like you're, like you're talking about when you take on so much, and then you look in back and you're like, number one, what was I doing? Number two, I don't think I could ever do that again because And also it's not better for them. Like no. what, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're not doing them It's not that it's better or worse for them, but I do think they it doesn't register for them the same way it registers for you. Right. And there's a p- real potential that it actually makes it harder for you to get like to enjoy the experience. And I think that's, that's like, I, you're listening to you. It, it is bringing, it's dredging up so much of what I felt after having my first Philomena, because absolutely I, I felt, I felt like the, the, the free time quote unquote that I had to spend with her was so crunched because of other work obligations that like, I didn't want to waste any of that time. And so I was yeah. trying to cram all my time, all my stuff that I had to get done into all the time I had to have with her. And it was just, it was making it so I couldn't enjoy any of it. And it really, um, I remember distinctly having this sort of like mental tug of war constantly about how do I 
find myself in all of this? How do I make sure I'm not stealing my own joy by trying to do too much and try and and trying to live up to some really unrealistic expectation for myself? Like exactly what you described with your husband, where with my husband, who is the most loving, doting father, obsessed with his children, like yes. in no way neglectful. And yes. yet recognizes that trying to like, you know, do 15 things at once, balancing a kid on your head is never going to be the kind of experience that actually rewards you for being a good parent. You know what I mean? Yeah, or your kid. You or know? your kid. Like it's, it is really a quality thing. Once you release yourself, well, I mean, obviously, you know, I think on a lot of mom shows they and a lot of mom conversations, we all talk about the mom guilt. I think once you start to release yourself from that and you tell your kid that that's okay, you allow for them to learn how to do self-care because you're modeling it for them. Like today, I mean, I'm I'm homeschooling three of the kids right now. So I've got three, four, and six are in school. No, Two is not. I can't a, a, even fathom. Just that. be happy that your son is still young enough that he's, not, that he's not homeschooling I'm so right thrilled. now. So he's two? Yeah, he's two and a half. We are potty training in quarantine. How's that Ooh, going? That's wow. the big news. That's huge. I know. I know. I wasn't going to because my husband was like, if we add one more stressful thing I was going to say, this, are you sadist? Like, what are you doing? What is happening? It's so stupid. Like, why are we this? Well, I was fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And then he kept getting out of the tub to go pee pee in the potty. And he kept, the potty's been around. And he kept getting out of the shower to go to the potty. And I was like, I feel like he's doing it. And also he was having a full on flip out tantrum all of a sudden. In one week, it all switched um, when we were changing mm-hmm. his diaper. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. And so we did that whole like three days of like no pants. It is an opportune moment for that actually. It is. You're there all <laughs> well, the time. Well, yes. And I, we're here all the time and we don't leave. And so he was wearing no pants and he was at the breakfast table like, mommy, I want pants. Like, Why am I sitting in my chair naked? And I was like, okay, you know what? It's a no pants party weekend. I'm not wearing <laughs> pants either. Oh, you, there was a solidarity <laughs> moment. There was, that's yes, interesting. So this is I, very exciting. Very exciting. I put on a dress with like nothing under it. Cause that was the part that bummed him out the most. He was just like confused of why he didn't have clothes on. And then I introduced underwear that he picked out so he could practice pulling it down and we've done really well. We've got pee-pee totally down. We've got a good, like, four poops on the potty and two poop accidents, but hey. Poop is easier to clean up than pee. Yeah. Okay, but how did you deal with the poop accident? Like, what did what did you do with that? I, well, the poop accidents happened once he had underwear. Oh, oh fine. So it just was It wasn't free-for-all. <laughs> no, it was not a free-for-all, just dumps all over my house, which is great. I'm sure that's coming. I'm sure that at some point that's coming. <laughs> And also, I I mean, a lot, honestly, a lot of my friends who have kids the same age were all, you know, sort of saying, I don't know, I feel like we should do it. Like, we're all home. And if you practice leaving the house, like, let's, okay, let's go potty before and then let's do a walk around the block or let's go potty before and let's go on a 20 minute drive and come right back. Like, I don't know when we're ever going to have this time again. So I was like, let's rock it. And it's going well, knock on wood. I mean, hopefully he's not like taking a dump on the floor right now. But, um, but he, he was the one I wasn't, I was like, please God, let nursery school open so that they can do it. I don't want to do this. And then he was sort of the one that was like taking the lead. And I was like, all right, well, changing your diaper has become a total pain in the ass. You've just hit on one of like the hidden sort of holy grails of, of childhood and parenting. It's that you do especially as a parent who is used to being proactive and and you know runs at challenges and t- wants to tackle them and wants to have a plan of attack 
you think that you have to pre-plan for everything. You think you have to have your sort of battle plan lined up. And so often your kids are the ones who are going to teach you how to do things. They are going to be the ones who direct traffic in a way. And they're, and it's fascinating to see where that and, – and what that sort of evidence is about the personality going forward into adulthood. Like I, like I remember my daughter, Philomena, you know, deciding she was going to sleep through the night at seven months. But through literally no – not even no effort, like I would I, I would have loved her to sleep or sleep through the night much before that. But there was nothing I was going to do to encourage her to do that. And there was nothing I was going to do to encourage her not to do that. She was going to do it exactly sure. the way she wanted to. And um and exactly to you know what you just said about your son deciding he was ready for it. I think having that moment of pause for ourselves and that moment of of um trust that kids do they're they're not robots. They're not going to do everything we say exactly the way we wanted them to do it. But they're also not cheap. Like we have to let them be uh, be involved in the process a little bit too. I think it's it's actually really cool. You get to know your kids so. It's also very relieving because yeah. I'm like. Because it just sort of makes it that it's that the own the onus isn't all on me, you know, like and and honestly, I do think anytime he's been ready and has really taken the lead, it's gone so much better. Um, and I know potty training is sort of the first thing, you know, it's like the first it's one of the first learned things, right. you know, like walking and running and crawling and eating and swallowing. Like these are all things that come with them. You know what I mean? Like they just watch and they do it on their own. I didn't have to teach him how to walk. He did it. I didn't have to teach him how to crawl. I didn't teach him how to hold a spoon or a fork. I just kept handing it to him and he just was figuring it out. And I feel like potty training is the first thing ever that I'm, you know, like we sit on a potty, we wash our hands, you know, mommy wipes you, you know, like there's just like, it's it's more of a learned thing. And I'm so glad that I didn't do it until he was he like made me do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, he made me do it. Um, so yeah, that's what we're doing in quarantine. I'm really thrilled that we did it because I just think it is perfect timing for us and for where he's at. Um, I've really taken the, I feel so bad for you. I mean, I just can't believe you have four children and you're also teaching them. I but just we're surviving because that's what you have to do. That's oh what you have to do. We're God, surviving. But, like... but you know, I mean, I have to say that the people, because I've, you know, girl and boys, and I, pe- Carmen potty trained herself. I had to do absolutely nothing at one, because yeah. that, Whoa. yeah, no, literally at one, she potty trained herself. And then all of a sudden I had three boys who were supposed to be very much more difficult to do it. Yes, yes. But I have to say, if you just wait, exactly what you're saying, you wait until they're ready, then it's really not as, I mean, of course it's work. Parenting is work, but it's not that yes. crazy. And boys love to pee outside oh this kid can't stop they can aim for I'm things like, we're all cave people i i mm-hmm. and he's just peeing outside my husband's peeing outside i'm like what is happening like this is not mm-hmm. go with not it pants. it's magical <laughs> it's let like, them let them do it I, and i've also had some like distant hangs with friends like girlfriends who have come over um into my yard and, and, you know at like 8 p.m after the baby goes to sleep and they have a baby like my best friend will come over and she'll sit on a blanket far away and we'll have masks and we hang out. And then it's like, we're back in at like a high school party. She pees in my yard. I mean, my yard, I don't know what's going to be. Cause I'm like, I don't know the rules. Like I don't know if you're supposed to be allowed to come into the house yet. No, no bathrooms. Yeah, no, like, home, no bathrooms. No home, yes, no bathrooms. I agree so with like, you. I'm there. All yes. peeing outside. 
on people's yards and that's just you're gonna have just really great like holes because it just burns I keep trying to I have to spread it out I gotta spread it out yeah exactly oh see I would think you'd want to like localize it like pick one spot that's the pee spot for like guests you know? and just ruin just, it like just ruin, just ruin it, it. <laughs> yeah, I listened to this podcast um I was gonna say really quickly yeah. about quarantine about how your kids are loving it and even though this has been such a big adjustment for us and our lives like Janet Lansbury who I love so much she was she was saying for toddlers, at least kids under five, that if you can get through this without putting any sort of expectations on them or what you're supposed to get out of this experience with them and to honestly just be whatever it is day to day, that she's convinced that these young kids are going to look back at this time as some of the best in their life. As crazy as that is, like they just how simple it is and how much family time they're getting and that bond and that attachment being so strong and also not being asked to do a million things a day, running to the grocery store, running to pick up another sibling, all of those things. Like it's just really, it's just been really simplified. I keep calling my, my grandmother, (laughs) granny Pat, but she raised four kids and, um, you know, clean the house and all that stuff. And I remember the first weeks of quarantine, I would call her and I would say, I can't believe you did this in high heels and a dress and had pot roast on the table at 5 PM and you had no help. And your, you know, my husband is so 50, 50 right now. It's insane. Um, we've sort of set up like a shift schedule. Like that's what we need to do. We're both actors. So we're both unemployed at the moment. And we, um, like some days of the week, I'm the morning till nap. And then he's afternoon till bedtime. I mean, it's like, we have a whole setup, but like, we are so 50, 50. And my grandma, you know, a long time ago, that wasn't the thing to do. And I just keep calling her like, wow, like I'm cleaning the house. I'm cleaning toilets. I'm putting out food. I mean, it's just like life has looks really different and really simple. And my son's like really loving it. <laughs> as no, much as I am not. It's, no, I think that that's so, first of all, you, what you, what just brought up with your grandmother is something I think about all the time just in terms of like they, they still only had 24 hours in the day and yet there was so much more productivity in terms of like real stuff for the family. You know what I mean? I feel like for sure. like I'm lucky if the, my laundry gets folded every every like four she days. She ironed <laughs> like, underwear. Literally ironed, ironed underwear. Sheets. <laughs> like yeah, could you imagine ironing sheets? Like what? No, but that like, took up her entire day also. Like that's the other thing I'm, I'm entire trying day. to remind myself is that like – and that's going back to our trying to split your time thing is sometimes I'll, I'll – crash into bed at the end of the night and feel like, what did I even get done today? Like this whole day flew by and I feel, I felt so stressed and crazy and rushed about everything, but I still don't feel like I got anything done. And I think part of it is because we're not focused on one task at a time. We're certainly not focused on like, even though, even with this quieting in the best of senses, like being able to be, you know, a little bit, at least you're cutting out commute times. Like you're at least, you know, you're, you're getting back time in your day theoretically. But, um, but it just, it does feel sometimes like we're trying to, because of that, we're trying to also, you're expected to be constantly available. I mean, Zoom happens, you're starting at 6am for everyone all, all the time. It does, you, I was struggling with this feeling of trying to do too much all at once all the time. And I, and reminders is like what you just said with, with, this isn't a your, your my kids are so happy right now. They're so, like they could not imagine a world where they would have gotten this much time with me and my husband both at home. Um, but I wanted to touch on something if it's okay with you. And obviously, mm, if it's something you want to talk about, we don't have to. Of um, But you mentioned that you and your husband, being actors, like can't work right now. And I'm curious yeah. what 
what, how do you deal with that kind of uncertainty and that kind of just like, you know, I think all actors probably do because you're like, you're, you know, you're the next project is sort of, is not. I know we're so used to it. Right. <laughs> but I think it's valuable for people to hear, especially in a marriage where you're both subject to that uncertainty, how you prop each other up, yeah. how you, how you talk to each other, how you work through that, um, that like degree of not being able to plan going forward, um, in a way that's supportive and nurturing. Cause I think it, it's so stressful for a lot of people to deal with. And I think it's something that's coming up for many, many of us right now. Um, what does that look like for you guys? I think at first we were having very uh, different experiences where he felt real relief Mm. because he was like, I've spent now, look, we are in a boat where I'm in the middle of a, of an acting job. Right. So I, I'm on a new Netflix show called inventing Anna that Shonda Rhimes wrote um, starring Julia Garner and Laverne Cox. And I'm, I'm so excited or the day when it comes out, <laughs> but we were shooting 10 episodes. We shot five when the episode, when it, we got, went into quarantine and shutdown happened. So it's weird, but I, I feel like I, I have a job to come. Like Netflix has been absolutely incredible with communication and, and we're going to go back. And the question is when and not if, and so that's wonderful. So I feel and also it, it really takes some of the pressure off because financially we're not freaking out. Now, my husband and I have been together for 13 years when that was not the case. Um, we've seen a lot of ups and downs as actors and have worked every single freaking side job the town of Hollywood has to <laughs> offer, except except for, I, I mean, I never did prostitution or pole dance or anything like that. But, I, <laughs> but, but we, were, we were thinking about waitressing. You were, I know. Yeah. Okay. So waitressing, personal assisting, babysitting, nannying, catering, bartending, you name it. I worked for everybody. And my husband did too, actually. So, and he was a nanny also and things like that. So we've sort of seen all of that, but he actually, so I, I sort of was like, okay, I have a job. So, so I sort of wasn't like freaking out because I feel like at some point I will go back to work and that's wonderful. My husband felt very oddly relieved because he says for 15 years, I wake up every day thinking like, okay, what what job can I get? What can I book? Like, where's the next paycheck coming from? Like, how am I going to get that job? Do I know someone that's working on that project? Do I know, know the writer? Like, what auditions do I have? How can I hustle? you know, how'd that audition go? Oh, I screwed it up. Wait, I got to work on the one for next week. And right now that's just all gone. (laughs) So he feels a little bit like, okay, I need to look at my life differently. And it's been so weird. He's like the cook. I mean, we are really splitting, running a household and raising a child and a dog. And we are very um, much 50, 50 on that in every way. Like I do the laundry, he does all the cooking, he does the grocery shopping, I do the floors. We split toilet duty every other week. Who I mean who does which week? I mean it's just reaffirmed how much I freaking love the guy to be completely honest. Yeah, that's amazing to have. I think quarantine is sh- shedding a real light on people's relationships. He just said to me last night though, but to be fair and to be completely he said to me last night he was like, "I don't think I've seen you." And I was like, "Nope, haven't seen each other." <laughs> like like So even though we are running things well and my son is very happy and our house is happening and things are okay, I don't think we've been tending to our relationship very well. But I also think with the current state of affairs, it's it's um, hard to do so. But I 
but he did touch in with me last night and he was like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta hang out. And I was like, yeah, we gotta hang out and not, you know, it's 7 PM when we put the baby down and we're just, you know, surfing Netflix and just exhausted, you know? So yeah, he felt relief, which is odd. I'm curious to see what that moves into. Cause I also don't think anyone envisioned it would be this long. So I think the initial relief has probably is moving into, um, you know, like how do we stay creative and artistic and, and because we're not currently concerned financially, like how do we just stay actors? Like how do we stay? Cause that's such a huge part of who we are um, and what we love to do. So I don't know. There's a lot of things going on with people shooting stuff in their houses. I mean, crazy stuff. Like, and we'll see how long this happened. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, I really miss being on set. That was like the biggest transition for me. It felt like it got ripped out. Like we literally, we were shooting in New York city. We got word on Thursday, the 12th, that the show was going to stop shooting. And then I started getting all these really sort of frantic alarmist texts that were like, no one's going to be allowed in and out of New York. Yeah, same. Go get cash from the ATM. Get out, get out. <laughs> and I booked like 8 a.m. flights on the 13th home for my son and my nanny who had moved with us to New York to shoot the show and me and Adam. And it felt very frantic and very rushed. And, you know, it just felt very ripped out from under me. And I really just like, I really miss being able to go to work and honestly, like, not um, being a full-time mom. Mm -hmm. Like that's so hard for me to say, but it's very true. Like I have the most amazing job that two to three days a week, I'm going to shoot and I'm going to leave before he gets up and I'm going to be back when he goes to bed. And then four days a week, I don't, I work and I'm, you know, like I don't shoot those days and I'm like, so mom, you know what I mean? So it was like, this is the longest I've gone being a full-time mom. Yeah. Did you both always know you were going to have a ton of kids? No. I got pregnant with my first one at 28 and I I was like, it was like this thing where Alec was very, because we have 26 years difference and Alec was like very much, he wanted to have kids yeah. right away. And I was yeah. kind of on board for it and then, and then I got, right after our wedding, I was like, maybe we should be married for a while. Like that just, like I just, I'm 28. Like this just feels like a lot. And then, um, yeah, sure, and then sure. I got pregnant. And I flipped out, but I was excited at the same time because I was just like, okay, this is a new adventure. And then I was like really nervous the whole pregnancy that I wasn't going to connect with her. And I, and then, I mean, I did have that, that immediate connection with her. I did. Oh, I love it. I've seen it. My best friend was pregnant at the same time I was. And, and we were having, like she, I remember she, she had her baby like three months before me. I, she dropped to her knees in my kitchen with just like Katie, I wake up in the middle of the night and I look at my husband and I look at my baby and the house and I don't know how I got here and how I got so Aww. lucky and I've never felt love like this in my entire life. And I was like, wow, like it just goes to show you like you don't know how you're going to be and you don't know there's no rhyme or reason to how your hormones or your um, chemicals like react to Exactly. The act, like having a baby. It's crazy. There's also no wrong way to be. Like everyone finds, they find their way and you find your way to each other. And I think that that's really important. I think going back to the very beginning, your podcast and the conversations you have um, and hopefully the conversations that we have here are meant to prove that point, which is there are eight billion different possibilities of these combinations that all lead you to hopefully the same place of, of, feeling confident and strong and happy in your motherhood and having children who are confident and happy and strong in, in their childhood, which I think are two, you know, different, but 
That's me yeah. air snapping. That's me snapping all over <laughs> the place. That's it. And also, you might suck at certain ages. Like, I had K- Casey Wilson came on my podcast, and she was like, she had struggled with horrible postpartum depression um, with her first child, and then even worse with her second. She literally didn't get out of bed for six months, and she was um, very ill, and it was a very hard road. And she's rocking right. like five year old. You know what I mean? It's like five. Is I a might be age. the best nine mm-hmm. to thirteen you've ever seen. Like I like that. Just might be. I don't know. Like you know, I suck at newborn. Newborn, not for me. Like not great. Not great. I'm into two. I'm into it. I'm I'm way more into it than I was newborn. Which is great because two is a hard age. He's doing it. It's good. It's good. We're we're good. We're good. But I and I'm I'm into it. I don't love playing. That's my, like, I'm going to be completely honest. Well, but the kind of playing you're doing right now is so physical and like you're on the ground, you're moving the truck, you're like lifting him up, you're throwing him in the air though. I can't handle it. The, the, on the bed and the mattress and it's like so physical and it's so annoying. And I'm like, oh God, I'm just too old for this. And they want to do the same thing over and over over and over and over and over again. again. But I mean, I think the most important thing of what you guys is that all of it needs to be talked about. Yes. I feel like this has all come about in the past couple of years where there's just like real things for women to turn to where women are really yeah. like saying how it is and not just painting a sort of shiny picture and um, and also making you laugh. Like I can't I can't get through this unless it's like absolutely hilarious. Like, oh, the one thing I did speaking of hilarious, he did take a dump in his underwear and then we rushed to the toilet and then he did say, ew, mommy, and took his own hand, wiped it in his butt and then wiped the crap on me. Yeah, fun. fun. So, yeah. you know. That's initiation. That was that day. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, he's taking the lead on wiping his crap on me. Um, I feel like it's always helpful to just not feel by yourself and to know that there's space for every type of reaction to every part of this journey. And there's really not right or wrong if you're trying (laughs) and you're coming from a love filled place to yourself and to your children. Like that's really it. But my hands and hats are are up and off to you guys for four kids in quarantine, homeschooling, running a household, being business women, helping other women be their best selves. I mean, come on. Living the dream. Um, So we are going to ask you what your favorite thing is. Yes. Um, Well, I'm really into hard kombucha right now. Have you guys? <laughs> yes. I've vodka with the blueberry kombucha. It's a thing. It's freaking delicious. Like I, they make hard kombucha, which is amazing. It comes in different flavors. So I'm all about that because I feel like I'm doing gut health as well as getting, <laughs> as well as getting a buzz on, which I'm like thrilled about. All right. Thank you so thank much. You this was so great. Much. Thank you. Thank you. Take care of Stay yourself. Good. You too. That was such a fun conversation with Katie Lowe's. I mean, I have to say, I miss girl talk. I miss just talking and and laughing and and especially about all things mom because we are so in the trenches right now with being with each other all the time, no school, no activities. And I really loved how honest she was about her postpartum struggles. No matter how much you love someone, it's not easy to be, uh, you know, in one place with them for every hour of the day for months and months on end. And I think, you know, how um, we've talked a bit on this show about how we talk to our kids, how that becomes their internal voice and how we talk to ourselves oftentimes comes out and, you know, and and, um, it comes out in the way that we talk to people that we love. And I think that that's something that 
we can continue to work on and and really um, you know be being supportive of each other, being gentle with each other, being uh, lifting each other up, and and having that go back and forth in a way that um, in a way that keeps us all hopefully sane throughout this experience. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully making it hopefully. there. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, and she's also just – she's so wonderful and candid and funny and loose and just like easy to talk she's to. Lovely. Um, she's so lovely. So I can totally imagine pulling up at her house if if we lived in LA. All right, guys. Now it's time for our favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite things. Today, my favorite thing in light of all of our potty training talk is the petite potette. And um, I am a big fan of a take-along potty. Um, And you can put a disposable bag inside of it. Um, And it's really great because I always keep one in my car or if we, you know, in, in normal life when we're going to the playground, I keep it in the stroller as we're going to the playground so that if my little kids, um, of course, age-appropriate use, um, I am not using it in the playground, although there's been so many moments where I've really, really wanted to pee in that thing. Um, but I, um, I definitely, I think that it has, it is definitely life-changing. And the mo- and the, the time when you need it and you've forgotten about it is such like a horrible moment. The last thing about this petite potette is it actually also, if you flip out the little side, it folds and you flip out the little sides, you put it on top of a restroom bathroom and then your kids are sitting on top of that Whoa. and not the restroom bathroom. And it's uh, just a really great invention. Crazy. Very cool. Um, okay. My favorite thing this week is not having anything to do with the bathroom. Um, It was actually inspired because all the banana bread that everyone has been cooking up over this time in quarantine. And there are two things I want to say about the banana bread phenomenon. Number one is that if you have not made it already, you should check out Eden Grinchman's tahini sesame banana bread because it's freaking unbelievable. And to me, like any recipe, especially in baking, where there's some little flourish that makes it feel very finished mm. and very elevated and beautiful without actually requiring that much technical skill on your part is a dream come true. And so she has you finish the banana bread with this creamy swirl of toasted sesame tahini. And then you kind of like marble it on top and it is unbelievable. Um, So that is exotic but familiar. Sounds so yummy. And if you are not the proud owner of a loaf pan yet or you'd like to treat yourself to one that is about $10 but will change (laughs) your your loaf baking life, I am a big fan of this Mrs. Anderson's Baking Loaf and Bread Pan. It's nonstick European-grade silicone. I got it on Amazon. It's literally $10. As someone who likes to, you know, bake loaves, it, when you're trying to tap a beautiful, tender, crumbed loaf out of a hard loaf pan, oftentimes it doesn't come up properly, especially if you haven't, you know, greased the pan or, or put your parchment in or anything. And silicone doesn't have that problem. You can literally like just gently twist it and it pops right out. It also, it, it with banana bread especially, it just like perfectly toasts and caramelizes the edges. So you get that lovely, deep, really like roasty kind um, on the edges and then doesn't overcook it in the center because it it just feels like a much more even bake to me um, where in the past I've, I've you know had a tendency to burn my loaves and this one I, I cannot even describe to you how much I have been loving baking in this particular pan. So 
All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Remember to tell your friends about Mom Brain to grow our tribe. Uh, ratings and reviews are so helpful for us. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being generous and um, leaving us some love. Leaving us some love. We love the love. Love the love. And you guys, please do send us your questions or comments or ideas people we should chat to. We are mombrainpod at gmail.com. And of course, we're on all the social outlets. We're at mombrain, so you can look us up. And we are going to talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye, guys. Bye. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group original production.